Welcome back to Restored Gospel Podcast. We are friends having casual conversation about the things of eternity. We welcome you into that conversation. We have a special guest today. Last minute, a few hours ago, I asked if he would come on because I listened to one of his uh, podcasts this morning driving to church, and it was fantastic. His name is Doug Hatton, and he has a YouTube channel called Teacher in Zion. There will be a link in the show notes, and he's got a whole bunch of uh, videos on there and audio podcasts that are, are, do you have an audio channel too? Just an audio channel, Doug? Yeah. Uh, just like a, Apple or... it's on Podbean. Uh, okay. but it's on Google, right. uh, a whole bunch of other things like that. But uh, yeah, Podbean will go ahead and it creates a video and puts it on YouTube as well. So you can watch That's, it. That is a good one from them. So uh, teacher in Zion, just Google it. Okay. Shane is here with us, and uh, I want to start out today. We're going to talk about something that seems to be very uh, offensive, not to everyone, to, to a select few or maybe more than a select few, when you bring up the fact that the Book of Mormon is held in a little bit higher regards than the other scriptures, and, and that for good reason, because of what the Book of Mormon says about itself, that in its purpose was to restore some plain and some simple and precious things that cause people to stumble and to reveal who Jesus is. So we're going to talk about why that seems to get in the cross some people um, when we bring that up. But first of all, in relation to that, we've just come across a number of people that have been coming to the same place in their heart and their mind about a number of things in the Book of Mormon and the, in relation to the church. And they, they've been coming to these things outside of knowing each other. Shane's one of them. Shane reached out to me by email. Now he's a regular uh, uh, weekly podcast member. Uh, Doug, I knew of Doug for a long time. Uh, maybe we'll get into that. But I recently came across his podcast and we began talking. And as I listened to him, I'm like, this is word for word what I've had conversations with and my friends in the last few years and what Corey and I have been focusing on. And that is what does the book of Mormon teach? Not just how do you prove to people it's real? Yeah. When, when, when we first, I just thought it was funny and side note, when we first met Doug, uh, he mentioned that, uh, that he thought maybe we were imitating his podcast because so many things on there were similar to what we'd been saying. <laughs> and, you know, it just show, it's just confirmation how the Lord is just waking people up all over the place and totally independent of one another. It's pretty exciting. Yeah, I told Doug the other day I was glad that, uh, that we did it cross paths sooner because wow. <clears throat> we've got a, a baseline of work that uh, just – crosses each other in so many ways and it's neat to see another witness um and then recently so here's shane and i were down in southern missouri last weekend it came about kind of crazy one night in the evening i was on an x lds website called hemlock knots i probably shouldn't say x lds but a lot of people on there are yeah i saw a post on facebook it wasn't super interesting but i wanted to i read a few comments and really the comment that i came across wasn't even really addressing the original post as i remember but i saw a link that said to all book of mormon believers and the comment simply said you need to go here and read this and watch these you'll be astounded well, of course i had to check it out so i clicked on the link as i went there and began reading the first thing that caught my eye was the book of mormon is the standard and i thought oh wow well i've we've we've taken heat for 
bringing that up. Um, <laughs> I, I'm going to read some of the things that are on that website. Why don't I just I just do that now? This this was a man named Dick Bauman. Unfortunately, as we began to investigate, we found out he'd passed away like 10 years ago. But his widow, his wife, uh, Barbara, still alive, still using the website, still sending out videos to people as they order them. Let me read what I read on that first page. These are some excerpts, but it says, I first read the Book of Mormon in in 1959. Put it up here so people can follow along here. Whoops. Oh, hang on. This. There we go. I first read the Book of Mormon in 1859, immediately after finishing it. It took me two days. I was confronted by a Protestant minister who said it was a bleep bleep book of the devils. I stood firmly for that book and was filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. And as I raised my hand, and this was what, this is crazy. As I raised my hand and pointed at him, my tongue swelled and words were pushed out with power. A powerful force grabbed that man and shook him immobilized him so he could not utter the smallest sound through though his mouth moved fear covered his face his eyes bulged with fright and his arms and legs flopped like a rag doll this my friends is a true example of the gift of tongues and the power of the holy ghost when the words were finished and the power departed my arm lowered he became disconnected from the power that held him and shook him and stumbled backwards and fell into an open coat closet where coats and hats fell on him. He got up sobbing and begging forgiveness for saying those things. Quote, I was taught to say in the seminary about the Book of Mormon. He immediately ran out of the home of his members who were totally astonished and speechless without his coat on in sub-zero weather in International Falls, Minnesota. I swear before God, who is Jesus Christ, that this testimony is true. So, uh, that was, uh, sorry, I'm trying to, oh my, hang on a second. You guys still hear me? Yep. Yeah. All right. Looks like my computer is frozen up for some reason. Um, what do you, when I read that, I think your first thought is this guy's either a crackpot or um or he's telling the truth and there's no reason to I think we, I think we lost him. I think we lost <laughs> all right we're back <laughs> okay um hey we're still recording I'll have to cut that out later okay anyway <laughs> you either think he's a crackpot or there's something here right so I had to read on what a, it's funny because it's okay for uh, Nephi to shake his brothers in the Book of Mormon, but or shock them. But when I read about something in modern day, it's like I don't know because it didn't happen a thousand years ago. It seems like mm-hmm. magic or goofiness or something like that. What do you guys? I don't know how you guys feel about that, but he says I remained loyal to the Book of Mormon, but basically was a follower of the traditions of the Restoration and the Doctrine and Covenants. As a teacher and preacher of the Doctrine and Covenants in Independence, Missouri, I have taught thousands of people 
in classes of hundreds and to the listeners of perhaps 20,000 tapes of those classes. However, in 1984, another marvelous experience with the Holy Ghost opened my spiritual eyes to the essentially of putting the Book of Mormon as number one in understanding the love of Jesus Christ, what he has in store for America, and the role of the Indians and those who will assist them. God shall not forsake his covenant people. While building a small bridge on my property about 10 miles east of Independence, I was contemplating some of the struggles going on in the Restoration. Now, this is in 1984, so it's really important to think about the mindset. And oddly enough, we've, we've had this come up in our congregation in the last couple of weeks. Women in the priesthood, temple being built on the wrong spot, a mass exodus from the church, conservative, liberal, you know, that, all of that going on in 1984. So he's contemplating this, and he says... The Spirit of the Lord settled on me, and in an audible voice said, The great separation is about to take place, and the separation is not over women's ordination, or open communion, or who is fundamental, or who is liberal, or who believes in polygamy or not, but who believes what the Book of Mormon says. That's amazing to me because that could not have been on his mind, right? He's completely yeah. different mindset, completely shifted. Yeah, when you think about when you th you think about you know, I guess the three of us are pretty close in age. We were teenagers when when all this went down in the church, and you think about what was going on, the conversations we were having. I mean, we weren't talking about anything else but women in the priesthood. You know, it, it was so it was so pervasive in our thoughts and our conversations that. You know, we even called it the document. You didn't even have to say section 156 or what, or what, you know, anything. You just call it the document, yeah. you know, and, and it became almost iconic, you know, because we put so much focus on it and so many scripture studies about it. And yet here's this guy during the same period where all we could think about was that, or he's saying, we need to get back to the book of Mormon. We're all wrong on this, which I can understand why there was, there was anger. Like, you know, what are you talking about? You're not even talking about the issue, you know, and <clears throat> I find it incredible that, how he was walking in the spirit and being led by God on that. This was the uh, conversation my wife and I had, I had this morning on the way to church. And is it, this is how the Lord works. And this is how in the past I have known it's him because um, you know, when he comes in, his thoughts are not our thoughts. You know, I got a suspicion when I'm always thinking a certain way and then God comes along and he talks to me and he's just mimicking what I already suspect, you know, that, mm -hmm. that is not, you know, but when he comes and just completely out of left field and hits you with something that you immediately know is true in your heart and you're convicted of it. And yet it's not, it was so far from your mind and your thoughts, you know, all this conflict, it was all about women in the priesthood and whatever. Mm -hmm. And God it's, it, what's astonishing is that God is, is, is saying those things are not the big deal to me. That's not for something for you to look at. These are the divisions you guys are dividing over. Right. Okay. And, and in truth, my wife and I have looked at these divisions over the years and I realized, you know, there was truth on both sides. The solutions put in place were not the right solutions. Right. You know? But there was an issue at hand and, 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 and people were trying to address it. And so you got these two, they get these schisms and these extremes, you know, women can't do anything versus women in the priesthood and all that type of thing. But God is saying the real division in his mind will be between those who really believe in the plain and precious gospel of the lamb 
and live according to those things that has written in the Book of Mormon that he brought to us on purpose to reestablish those truths so that we could have that born-again experience. And that is fundamental to everything. And without that, it's kind of like Joseph Smith when he said, you can be baptized a thousand times and avails you nothing. Right. And so whether or not it's women in the priesthood or not, or whether the temple is over here or over there, all these things really in some ways mean nothing if you don't have that born again experience and we are not changed by his spirit. Uh, Christ has to change us from within and we have to be a new creature in Christ. And without that, we're going nowhere quick. And I don't care. You got your ducks in a line about how priesthood are how the church is supposed to be run without that we're dead yeah it's kind of when you when you look at when you look back with the you know the eyes of of having seen how everything played out really the 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 woman in the priesthood issue or or where the temple is supposed to be located those are just tiny little things that are really irrelevant to the whole big picture you know it'd be like it'd be like going to a restaurant you go in and the place is just covered in, you know, it's got like, you know, maggots growing on the food and you know roaches everywhere. And, and, and you notice that a, a dirty napkin is on the floor and you're all upset about the dirty napkin, but yet, you know, the rest of the restaurant's filthy too. <laughs> you need to eat somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I really, really, really liked what he said. It's about who believes what the book of Mormon says. I think we've, 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 switch something in our history, even maybe not consciously, but subconsciously that uh, accepting the Book of Mormon as a divine book is accepting it. Uh, you know, we believe Joseph was a prophet. We believe that the story of the plates, we accept the Book of Mormon. And that's not what accepting the Book of Mormon means at all. It's the message of Jesus, the power of a changed heart, the fruit of a changed heart. That's people that believe in the Book of Mormon. So, it's easy, to, I think, to say because we go to the Restoration um, that we that we accept the Book of Mormon and the Gentile Protestant churches don't, but we are just as much rejecting or rejectors of the Book of Mormon as anyone else if we don't hold to its message. So that's that's what was exciting to me when I saw that this was forty, almost four decades ago. This man had this revelation by the Spirit. Yeah. And three years ago, Corey and I thought we were plowing new ground by getting back to the basics. And, well, what does the message say? What yeah. is the doctrine of the Book of Mormon? And I know we're not the first to do that, but we thought it was relevant now because of you know, so many other yeah. things being talked about. But here it is, 40, you know, four decades ago, uh, this man had experience with the Holy Ghost. And then, you know, there, here comes Doug. He's been teaching the same kind of things. Uh, and we hear from people all over the country emailing us and talking to us like yeah this is what's been yeah. on our hearts well he says uh, the voice stopped and he was impressed that millions could hold up the book of mormon and say it was true but almost none of them knew what it said yeah. i was astonished god had told me that the book that i had such a marvelous testimony of 25 years before and had pretty much set aside in favor of restoration traditions and the doctrine and covenants would be the standard used for the great separation. Mm -hmm. <laughs> After reading the Book of Mormon again about six times from cover to cover and wondering over and over why the Book of Mormon doctrine was so much different than we had been taught, 
I would ask, where did we ever get this or that? And finally, what happened to the church? And that's the name of his teaching series, What Happened to the Church. So interesting enough, Shane and I are down in Kabul, Missouri. And on Saturday morning, we go over to uh, Barbara's house. And on the way over there, Shane said to me, are you going to you know, use his material in the podcast or anything? Because we had already talked to her on the phone and she was fine with us mentioning it. Um, I said, no, there's, there's, some, there's some things I don't agree with. There's some things that uh, he didn't have access to at the time because he didn't have the Internet like we have. And now there's so many better sources and, and some things have been debunked. And I, I don't want to put my, you know, we don't want to act like we're supporting that because I don't, I don't support everything. But there's so many good things. Shane said, well, do you care if, like, I just ask her if I can make its own channel and just have it out there as its own entity? I said, no, that would be great. So Shane, we're sitting there. Shane, Shane asks her, and what was her response, Shane? It looked like a burden had just been relieved, visibly relieved yeah. from her. Yeah, I wasn't sure how she'd respond to that idea. So the idea was, you know, instead of selling the DVDs on a web page, um, you know, which DVDs are, they're still used, but not like, not you know, YouTube is more more prevalent now. And so I, I kind of explained to her how the technology has changed and that people could just click on it and watch it. They don't have to fill out an order form and mail it in and, and all the stuff that she had done up to that point. And it, it did. It seemed like a, a burden was just lifted off of her. You know, and she was just like so excited about it. Just the idea that, you know, one, she wouldn't have to package up DVDs, have DVDs made, all the, you know, the burden. I mean, she's 83 years old. It's probably not something that she wants to do as far as, you know, as far as able to do or because of her, her age and, and just the burden of doing it. Um, and then plus on top of that, now it's readily available to anybody in the world and they could click yeah. on it. You know, it's a kind of a, and it'll stay there until YouTube doesn't exist anymore. Um, and I think she was just really relieved of the thought of not having that burden hanging on her. A couple of interesting uh, things. When I, when I saw that, I went to the website that night. I saw the link on, on, and on Facebook and I wanted to go back and ask the guy a question that had posted it. Like where, how'd you come across this? I couldn't cause it said the poster had taken his post down. So I, I couldn't, <clears throat> I had caught it at the right time. And then as we're sitting at Barbara's table and Shane asked her that, she said, today is the day that I need to make a decision to renew the website. And it was going to cost her a substantial amount of money, you know, several hundred or, or I mean, for a you know, fixed income, that was a lot of money. And she said, now I can call them and I feel confident I can call them and, and just cancel. I'm not going to worry about keeping this up anymore and paying for it every year. On the very day that he offered that, I just, I thought that was neat maybe a little more than coincidence. Um, it was quite evident that I thought maybe we were going down there to be blessed as a, as a podcast, as a ministry. It was quite evident she was much more blessed, and this was a blessing to her maybe in her faithfulness that God had maybe answered her prayers because she said she'd been praying about what to do with this. What a neat thing to be involved in that. So, Well, um, I guess now talking about the actual message um, of the Book of Mormon being the standard and what Dick was teaching, I do want to say um, you're going to get to, to the tape number two if you watch these, and you can find them on YouTube. It's called What Happened to the Church. That's the channel. Is that right, Shane? Yeah, that's the there, channel, there's, 
14 lessons. Uh, yeah. Right now I only have 11. I'm still, still uploading, but 11 are on there now. So quite the process taking them from DVD into digital and editing a little bit. Uh, yeah. Well, I wanted to say, uh, as you as you read these, you're going to watch tape number two, and I, I was listening to it again this morning, and it does kind of drive me nuts because we had Jonathan Neville on here not too long ago talking about how the Book of Mormon was translated, and there's so much good research available now with the Joseph Smith papers and things, uh, and Dick didn't have those, and I, I don't. I would love to have a conversation with him now, but we can't, obviously, uh, and he was using some sources, I think, that were incorrect on the process, so I'll just say we... We don't condone everything or agree with everything on there, but don't be a lazy listener or a lazy learner. That's what I'm I'm worried about is people tune in and they hear something and then they run with it. If you're that that is a concern of mine. So uh, study it, use wisdom, use the spirit to guide you. So yeah. Always need to look those things up for yourself and pray about it always, you know, because we're all human, all, every single one of us. We, you know, we teach, we preach. We share the things of the Lord as best we understand, but sometimes we uh, we do make an error or make a mistake. You know, even the Book of Mormon itself says, if there are mistakes, then they're the errors of men. You know, right? Uh, and so, even in the most perfect Scripture that we have, there is always the possibility because man is involved in the process. You know, uh, so it's 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 not uh, anything disparaging against a Dick Bauman. Uh, any more than it is against us or anyone else or any other priesthood in the in the restoration. Uh, that's why it's in the mouth of two or three witnesses or multiple witnesses. We establish his word. That's why we have these conversations, because we all have to bring those things the Lord has shown us and put them together and make sure that we're not, you know, running ahead of him or uh, uh, going off the track, so to speak. I was listening hey, to one. Go ahead. Go ahead, Shane. I was just going to clarify your statement earlier. Um, so we've we believe that the book, the Book of Mormon was translated with the Urim and Thummim, and not through the not through the seer stone. And that um, a couple of the episodes are actually entitled uh, something about the you know receiving the message through the stone. And so um, that's that's one of them. And so I, I you didn't mention the Urim and Thummim. I just want to make sure that they that was what the the conflict was as far as our understanding. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the neat thing is, is what what Jonathan Neville pointed out is even if people are holding to the the stone in the hat theory, the fact is it was through the power of God. It was they were trying to dispute um, that Joseph was making up something off the top of his head or copying the Spalding document. So whether right. you're using the stone in the hat to make your point or the interpreters, they were saying no, the power of God was using him as he did the process, and that's the important point. But I think it's yeah. it's almost irrefutable by those involved. It was the yeah. interpreter. So anyway, yes. yeah. Well, here's just a few things. I just off the top of my head, what what does the Book of Mormon say? And and I wrote down a few things down here. Um, it teaches in plainness the plan of salvation, who Jesus is, prophecies for the house of Israel, the real story of the New Jerusalem and Zion, as opposed to and maybe what we've turned it into. Um, and the sacrifice required now that the law of Moses is over, the broken heart and contrite spirit, that's not that's almost non-existent in the Bible. That was just a few uh, a few things. I mean, do you guys have any anything to add to that list on what it says? Yeah, if you know if 
I don't want to be come off harsh or anything, but um, I am no better of a person than anyone else was back in the day. You know, we all make mistakes and uh, but we have the benefit now that Joseph Smith didn't have and others back when the church first started. We have this benefit of hindsight. You know, hindsight's 2020. We can look back. We can see the fruit of of things and, and we can make these comparisons. And I think they did the best with what they understood at the time. Um, but this treasure that came out of the earth brought forth by prophecy, even prophecy in the book of, in the Bible, um, to help us and to to get us on the straight path, um, because there was so so much contention, so much misunderstanding. There was a there was a, a million different opinions, uh, even on salvation itself. I mean, that was what caused Joseph Smith to go to the grove in the first place, is that he had that question of salvation because there was different things being preached. And that seems pretty basic, you know, to us, but there were different things being taught even on salvation. And so the Lord brings forth this treasure that we can know. And it's so plain and just so a child can understand it. And yet somehow I think because hard and fast, we get in revelation after revelation, they're, getting themselves into a lot of circumstances, you know, uh, the 116 pages stolen, um, how to get money to to print the book, um, a lot of different troubles being run off from Kirtland, run off from Missouri and so forth. I mean, it was a, a hard time, okay? And they were dealing with a lot of things. Um, but if we just go back to this record that that is designed, and I'm reading here from 2 Nephi chapter 2, verse 21, and it says that this record will be under the confounding of false doctrines and laying down contentions and establishing peace. And, and so you brought up the new Jerusalem. And here we were trying to build Zion. Everywhere they went, they were trying to build Zion. And even when they got kicked out of the land of Zion, they were trying to build Zion in, in Nauvoo. And when the saints went west with uh, Brigham Young, they were trying to build a Zion again. I mean, they're always trying to build Zion. And here we have this record of the Nephites, and it clearly tells us that the seed of Lehi are going to build the new Jerusalem on this land of promise. And if the Gentiles will repent, they can assist how and why <laughs> a certain blindness must have happened, I think, to the saints. They lost track of what the Book of Mormon had told them, that they were trying to build Zion without our Native American brothers and sisters, the Lamanites, the, the remnants of the Nephites, the seed of Lehi, because it was an act of futility, really, to try to build Zion. And as I think, I don't know if it was you, Shane, or, but Zion is a people, not it's not a, a city. How are you building a city anyway? But the new Jerusalem must be with the cooperation and working through them. We were supposed to take this covenant message to them, and they were going to be a part of our salvation too, right? And so uh, the salvation of, of coming into the kingdom of God and having the new Jerusalem and a place where we can live and, and our children can be raised in righteousness, and we tried to do it without them, and it was never going to happen. It's still yeah, frustrating it, to me uh, to 
to see Zion uh, misused by the priesthood, to, to see the flock, so to speak, be beaten by the shepherds. And, but it's a, it's a constant re- negative reinforcement. You know, we're never going to have Zion if we can't come together and worship together. And, and th- those type of statements you've heard through the years and completely leaving out the prophecy and the help that's, that's if, if not the help, the actual work being done that we can assist in by the house of Israel. That gives me all kinds of hope. Because I don't have hope in our bickering, you know, little branches. So, yeah. Well, here's here's an an interesting thought regarding Zion. So, if you had, you know, let's say you had a couple billion dollars, and you could spend that money on buying up all of Independence, buying all the houses, buying the temple lot. You could get the, you know, get the temple lot church out of there and just totally, you know, wall off an area on the temple lot. And get all the believers of the restoration to, to to move in there and build houses for everyone. Would you have Zion? I mean, I think it's obvious you you wouldn't. But we, I think we think in those physical terms. You know, one day we're going to get the temple out. One day we're gonna we're all going to be gathered in there. And we're going to have our storehouses and we're going to have this land. And we don't really know how it's going to happen, but it's just going to happen. And it it's it's the people. The people are have to be one with God and of one heart and one mind. No, no poor among them, and dwell, dwelling in righteousness, or, or we're just we're wasting our words. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, getting back to uh, kind of what or what we're talking about here is is that the Book of Mormon being really the uh, uh, what was the word, Mike? Um, the standard. The standard. Okay. Or, or the foundation. We could say the yeah. foundation. Yeah. Right? Well, you know, and the thing is, and I find it astonishing that I, I guess you guys got beat up about that to say that because, you know, the Book of Mormon itself tells you that. The Lord does. does. And, you know, um, if you if you look at uh, Doctrine and Covenants section 42, uh, two, let's see. As you're finding that, I'll tell you the story. We were in a class and Corey brought that up and there was a, a fairly... Uh, sound fairly adamant uh rejection of that and said you know word of god we we use the spirit to guide us you know the word of god is in the covenants the bible the book of mormon and and i don't believe it's the standard flat out said and and Corey said that's fine even though it says it is and it was again just a denial of the actual well that was to a different people of a it was just uh anyway so yeah yeah let me Go ahead. Sorry, Doug. Oh, it, well, I was going to say section 42 was given in uh, February 9th, 1831. Um, so this is in 1831 and it's uh, uh, two or no, I'm sorry, 5A. So there's a couple interesting things here. It says that, and again, the elders, priests and teachers of this church. Now that's interesting because isn't the Book of Mormon always talking about elders, priests, and teachers. Right. And here in the Doctrine and Covenants, it says, and again, the elders, priests, and teachers, using those same three offices listed there, it says, of this church shall teach the principles of my gospel, which are in the Bible and in the Book of Mormon, in which is the fullness of the gospel. So here's a commandment from God to the priesthood that they are to teach the the basics of the gospel, the principles, and they are found in the Bible and the Book of Mormon. It doesn't mention any other books. There are no other prophecies of any other books. The Bible doesn't have a prophecy 
about the Doctrine and Covenants. And uh, the Book of Mormon doesn't have a prophecy about the Doctrine and Covenants, but the Book of Mormon is prophesied. And he says that we're to use those two books, in which is the fullness of the gospel. And I, I asked this question to people before. If it says fullness, what is it lacking? Right. right. I heard fullness described as that. It doesn't mean that every jot and tittle of everything we need to know is contained there, but it's yeah. what we need to bring full salvation to our souls. Uh, it's complete in that knowledge. Of course, we will understand more, but it is what we need to be saved in the kingdom. So there's well, always... I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Doug. Finish your thought. Well, I was going to say that there, there's always more light and truth. And I have no, uh, I, I want to make sure everyone understands. I have no objection to receiving additional revelation from the Lord. If we weren't receiving additional revelation from the Lord, then the, the church is dead, right? But there is this standard that has been set up for the preaching of the gospel and understanding the principles, the, the, the foundation of the church, you know, in the Doctrine and Covenants, the Lord said that in the Book of Mormon are all things we need to know concerning the church. And that was later changed to say all things concerning the foundation of the church. And I, the only thing I can think of is why would you change that except that you want to say, well, that's a good beginning, but we're going to add some more things. And I don't have a problem with more light and truth, but uh, always this is this then if it's not in agreement or in harmony with the Book of Mormon, or if it's in if it's contrary to something in the Book of Mormon, we've got a problem. I have a document here. Shane, go ahead. Uh, you had something you want to say. I want to share this oh. document that's relevant to what Doug just said here. Yeah. So basically, uh, you know, I don't know if a lot of people know this. I I really didn't hadn't really read wrapped my head around this, but Jesus Himself prophesied that the Gentiles will reject the gospel, that will reject the fullness of the gospel, and. This is out of 3 Nephi 7. And I think we always read this thinking it's a future date. You know, down the road, you know, 100 years from now, they're going to reject the fullness of the gospel. But, you know, why couldn't it have happened in just a few years after it was revealed? Yeah. So let me read this and think along those, along those lines. This is in 3 Nephi chapter 7, verse 34. You want me to share my screen, Mike, or you think it'll text the system too much? Oh, go ahead. We'll try it. Okay. Okay, so it says, uh, And thus commandeth the Father that I should say unto you. So this is Jesus saying to us, At that day when the Gentiles shall sin against my gospel, and shall reject the fullness of my gospel, and shall be lifted up in the pride of their hearts above all nations and above all people of the whole earth, and shall be filled with all manner of lines and of deceits, and of mischiefs. And I think about the stuff that was happening that happened early on in the church. There was a whole lot of deceitfulness, a whole lot of mischiefs going on, all manner of hypocrisy and murders and priestcrafts and whoredoms. How about polygamy? And of secret abominations. How about the secret societies, the Danites, the um, all that stuff that went on? And if they shall do all these things and shall reject the fullness of my gospel, behold, saith the Father, I will bring the fullness of my gospel from among them. And then will I remember my covenant, which I have made unto my people, O house of Israel, and I will bring my gospel unto them. So the Gentiles are going to lose the God, are going to lose the fullness of the gospel. It says right here, at that day. So it says they shall, 
shall is the key word here. They shall sin against my gospel. It's not will. It's going to happen. Um, it says, then will I remember my covenant, which I have made unto my people, a house of Israel, and I will bring my gospel unto them. And I will show unto thee, O house of Israel, that the Gentiles shall not have power over you. So now he's talking to the remnant or the Native Americans. But I will remember my covenant unto you, O house of Israel, and ye shall come unto the knowledge of the fullness of my gospel. But if the Gentiles will repent and return unto me, saith the Father, behold, they shall be numbered among my people, O house of Israel. And this is, this is the hope for us, that we as Gentiles will repent so we can be numbered among that group. So, Shane and Mike, it, is it possible that what we're reading there about them losing the fullness of the gospel, that that's already happened? Because is it possible for us to have this in our hand or in our bookshelf? But if blindness has happened, so we don't really see what's in here, and we instead have our attentions on other things and made them more important, have we not lost the fullness of the gospel? Yeah, I think... I think the fullness of the gospel has been rejected, but we we used to think, I think, there, well, and I've heard the Latter-day Saint brothers and sisters say this, it was the Gentiles were everybody outside the Latter-day Saint church. They were the ones rejecting the Book of Mormon. That was considered rejecting the fullness of the gospel. And when I say reject, like, it's not a divine book, it's made up. But really, it's within the church, the church rejecting the teachings of the Book of Mormon. That was the that was the Gentiles rejecting the gospel. The ones that had it, had opportunity, say they believe it, but don't dig into the doctrine and, and let it have fruit in their lives. Yes, I think so. But I think we also have a time to to still repent yeah. and reach as many people as we can to buy into the doctrine of the Book of Mormon and make it the, the number one thing you use to reveal who Jesus is and what he has in store for us. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. so important. I wanted to share this um this is this is fitting to what we're talking about so this is the handwriting you can see the handwriting here this is uh the minutes of a special conference held in hiram ohio november 12th 1831 so this is early early on just a little over a year after the church was officially organized what this says let me um let me pull up a easier to read uh the transcript here because what they get to is <clears throat> after deliberate right here after deliberate consideration and consequence of the book of revelation now to be printed now this is before the book of commandments was was printed right 1831 now to be printed being the foundation of the church and the salvation of the world and the keys of the mysteries of the kingdom and the riches of eternity to the church voted that they be prized by this conference to be worth to the church, the riches of the whole earth speaking temporally. What did they just do with the doctrine and covenants? And what did they say right there about the book of Mormon? Nothing. They just made as a vote of that conference, that they would prize these revelations that were being given through Joseph after the Book of Mormon as salvation to the world, the foundation of the church, right? The, the keys and the mysteries of the kingdom, the riches of eternity, all of these things. We vote that we will prize these things to be of worth to the church and to be riches to the whole earth. Nothing about they. 
they just substituted. That was that tear yeah. being sown, Doug. What, yeah. that, tell me about that experience you had riding to work. What the Lord, what the Lord shared with you, the sower. Yeah, it was a a few years back. I, I was I was just kind of meditating for some weeks about. Well, the Lord had kind of been pointing me back to the to go back to the Book of Mormon. And he was kind of emphasizing the Book of Mormon with me. I didn't really fully comprehend what, where we were going with that, but I was meditating on differences between, I guess, the traditions in the church and how we did things. And what I was seeing in the Book of Mormon were different things. Um, and I was meditating on that. And uh, I was driving to work when I heard the Holy Spirit begin to recite. It was a part of a parable that Jesus spoke. And it was about the uh, the man who sowed wheat in a field. And then under the cover of darkness, an enemy came in and sowed tares. And that's the part that he had quoted to me. And, you know, when the, when the Holy Spirit is telling me something, there's some reason for it. So I, I know he's trying to tell me something and I don't, I didn't even know what the question was to ask. So I've just sat there quietly waiting and, and then the, that still small voice spoke again. He said, this is the story of the restoration. And that that's kind of begun a journey for me. You know, and, and what you just read there is what the Lord kind of ended up explaining to me. And as he had me study, as that this Book of Mormon came forward, you know, and it was it was supposed this would have brought about the Zionic conditions that we're looking for. This would have. We would have brought about the kingdom of God here on earth as it is in heaven because we would have been, if we had taken seriously what was in here, it would have led us on a journey to be transformed by the God of Israel into a new creature in Christ, to be born again. But instead, I think we got into intrigues and we got into discussions and worries about um, organization and who's in charge and you know, all the same things we see even in the Bible with the disciples. Well, who's going to be who's going to be number one? And I'm going to be in charge of this. And, and Jesus says, it's not to be that way with you. This is not how my disciples are supposed to be. He and started, he started washing their feet. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and, and, you know, and, and in thinking about that, Mike and Shane, uh, Section 83, that's, you know, it, 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 what was it? 1831. I think it's section one of the Doctrine and Covenants that they, they put in into the first section of Revelation in the Doctrine and Covenants. It says something to the words of effect of uh, this church is the only church on the face of the earth with whom I am, I the Lord am well pleased. 1831. 1832, Joseph gets a revelation saying, and the whole church is under condemnation. I mean, talk about whiplash. It's a bad few months. <laughs> and uh, yeah, what happened here? And, and, and he tells us why. And as far as I can tell, we have never repented. We're beginning to now, I believe, at least some. And, and that is that they treated lightly the Book of Mormon, the truths of the Book of Mormon, even the New Covenant, uh, which is in the New Testament and in the Book of Mormon. That is the emphasis. And it, it was treated lightly. We got into all these mysteries and intrigues. And I, and I just want to say, like, I am not above this. Um, I, I'm sad to tell, I, I have to say this, is that for some years when I first got serious about the church and came into the priesthood, you know, and I read all the way through the Book of Mormon, 
third Nephi was my least favorite book. Mm. I thought it was boring <clears throat> and it's just a rehash of the new Testament. And I wanted something more interesting and intriguing. And I was into deeper things, you know, I thought, and all these years, the Lord's been working on me to bring me back. And now it's my favorite book anywhere. The power that is in that book. And I was treating lightly those things and other people I know were treating lightly those things, and we didn't even realize it. We were blind. We were made blind by our traditions. And, and now I have so many friends and new friends and people I've never met before, and the Spirit is leading them back and saying, you need to take a look again. And, and uh, one of the things that he had told me one day as I was reading a scripture in the Book of Mormon, and the Lord said, read it again. You've missed something. And I read it again, and he's like, read it again. And I kept several times, I'm like, Lord, what am I missing? And he says, you need to take your restoration goggles off. And, you know, and I, I realized that the traditions and all the sermons I'd heard and everything had already interpreted for me what the meaning was in this book. And so I asked the Lord to help me with that. And then he showed me the true meaning. And it's so plain and precious. And yet I think the, the adversary has done a pretty good job of blinding us to some of the truths that are in there and you can read it and, and not see it until yeah. you open yourself up and the spirit helps you. I don't know if true for you, but for me, I, I see layers and layers and, and I feel like we've been free to examine things more honestly, Corey, myself and some others that aren't always popular, but been doing that for years, but still just the other day I had a notion and I realized the source of it. I thought that's tradition. That's not the book of Mormon. It's not even in the book of Mormon. And I, I saw once again, another layer of deprogramming, I call it has to be taken away. I was going to tell you when you said uh, the mystery, you know, you like to get into the more intriguing things. Uh, we've had it said to us that the book of Mormons, it's almost like you're a simpleton. If you just want to stick with that, like it's too black and white. I've heard people say uh, it doesn't, fill in all of the gaps and the gray areas. And yet, oddly enough, even today before I came on here, I got a phone call from uh, a guy who's been pastor for a number of years at one of the churches here in town. And he was talking to me and bringing out exactly these things we're talking about in a number of things in our conversation. And he said, I said, you know, it's really interesting that when you stick to the Book of Mormon, how quickly you can become of one heart and one mind and you see the simpleness and all of these different people are coming to that and he goes oh all of the debates over the years and priesthood and meetings and things it's all been over the doctrine and covenants and the what i would say the 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 stuff that's filling in the gray areas that's trying to make things more understood which in reality that's why we never become of one heart and one mind there's too many things to debate it's like god made it black and white and simple on purpose and the only reason we question it is because we take our restoration goggles of the Doctrine and Covenants and, and look at the Book of Mormon and say that this is too black and white. We need this other information. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I here recently, uh, you know, I was thinking about um, what you were saying, Doug, when you were talking about your, your own walk with, with the Book of Mormon. I had, you know, I've been in the priesthood since I was 19. And, and I, I guess when I think back on all the sermons and classes and everything, you know, the Book of Mormon was you know, just, you know, I saw it as just equal playing ground and I kind of preferred the Bible. And so I tended to, 
go right to the Bible first for sermons and things like that. And in the Book of Mormon, I look a few scriptures up just to be able to say, yeah, I, I used all three <laughs> books to support my 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 position. Um, but here recently, it's like I'm reading it a whole different way. I'm you know, I'm not reading it through those through the the or, church organization goggles, but rather just for what it is. You know, um, just recently, uh, like in the Book of Enos, you know, his such a short little book, and it's just really simple. It tells of basically he got convicted. And God filled him up with the spirit and told him he's forgiven and he knows God isn't a liar. And so he was forgiven. And then God said, go to it, you know, and, and it was like the gospel message in just a few verses. And I, you know, I didn't read it that way before I verse, you know, books like that, I would think of were just kind of simple. And well, Enos was just trying to get a, you know, he was given the job to, you know, to put something on the plate. So he threw down a few things and, you know, but I always wanted something more. And, uh, I was thinking about, I was looking in Jacob chapter three this morning, um, starting in 18, it says, and now, and this is talking about how Israel, they overshot the mark, how they wanted more. They weren't satisfied with the, the basic gospel. It says, and now behold, and now beloved, marvel not that I tell you these things for why not speak of the atonement of Christ and attain a perfect knowledge of him as to attain to the knowledge of a resurrection and the world to come. Behold, my brethren, he that prophesieth let him prophesy to the understanding of men, for the Spirit speaketh the truth and lie not. Wherefore it speaketh of things as they really are, and of things as they really will be. Wherefore these things are manifested unto us plainly for the salvation of our souls. But behold, we, we are not witnesses alone in these things, for God hath also spoken them unto prophets of old. But behold, the Jews were a stiff-necked people, and they despised the words of plainness, and killed the prophets, and sought for things they could not understand. Wherefore, because of their blindness, which blindness came by looking beyond the mark, they must needs fall. For God hath taken away his plainness from them, and delivered unto them many things which they cannot understand, because they desired it. And I find that amazing, that they actually wanted complexity and things that are difficult to understand, and that's what he gave them. That's what happened to us. Yep. Exactly. What do you, what are your brother's opinion on why do people push back when you try to elevate? I shouldn't even use the word elevate. I think just put the Book of Mormon in its proper place as the tool God gave us in these latter days to just thrive and function and come out of our sins and have hope and get ready for his return. Why, why is there pushback in saying that that's important over and above, you know, other things. Any ideas why that's, I mean, cause I see the spirit rear its head. It's like this common spirit, uh, you know, no, every scripture is equal. Don't, don't pick one book, you know, don't. I don't think. Hard... Oh, go, ahead, go ahead, Chen. Well, I was going to say, I don't think, I think that we have sort of a, unacknowledged spiritual guilt because the book of Mormon came very simply. The message was simple and they were told exactly what to do with it. Take it to the native Americans and share with them what their heritage is and the covenants that they are, that they are able to, to, uh, to claim as descendants of the house of Israel. That was the message. And that was really simple. And I think everyone, doesn't matter what side of the fence you're on would acknowledge that we didn't do that. And so we, you know, we're under condemnation right there from that, from that point on. 
uh, well, I think I, I think Mike, you, you hit it on the head when you said it was like a spirit raise, you know, raising its head. Um, that's the only thing that I can I can account for, even as I look at my own life and the blindness that happened to me, that there must be a spirit at work. Um, and you know, Paul talks about that that we don't battle with flesh and blood; it's powers and principalities and heavenly places. You know, one of the things that uh, I believe has been revealed to me is that there is a there is a principality over all of Mormonism, and and even sub commanders or sub principalities, even specifically set over Restoration people. You know, the people who came out of the RLDS. And they have all of their soldiers. And these things are real. There is a spiritual realm and there is a battle. And we are sometimes victims of a great deal that's going on in the invisible realm that we're not even aware of. And they were working hard to prevent or try to prevent what God has promised and what God has said would happen. And we would take up these promises. And they're going to happen. Because with or without us, whether we repent or not, Heavenly Father is going to awaken the seed of Lehi. And because of some experiences and dreams of friends of mine and people I, I know that uh, I see this picture forming, uh, that when Manasseh or the seed of Lehi, when they awaken, that's that's when Ephraim or, or that's when the Gentiles will will truly begin to wake up or have that opportunity but we don't have to wait for that time i think now is a time to get in on the truth and and be awakened ahead of time that we may be a part of what god is doing rather than just waking up one day and going what happened to us we, we wasted a lot of years and i see that happening right now that those who are humble those who are willing to be corrected by the lord those who are re-examining the lord is bringing this truth out you know, it's what kind of spirit is saying that, well, this stuff is just plain, simple, boring. It's black and white. It's whatever you want to you want to make it something lesser, really, is what you're what you're coming mm -hmm. down to. And it is made very plain and simple. And it isn't everything that God has to share with us. But you can't get anywhere without you taking full advantage of what this says. And we have not done it yet. There's no way for us to understand that. And because of that, we have been delivered to things that we can't understand. We've been delivered to things that can never bring unity, that are designed so that we will always contend over them. And mm. I can't find anybody, I really can't find anybody who can't come to agreement about the doctrine of Christ in Third Nephi, for example. And if those are the things we center around until we become a changed people, then all those other things become possible. And without it, you're not going to go anywhere. And, and who is better than the Apostle Paul? Is any one of us, anyone in the Restoration, would they stand up and say, well, I'm a, I'm a more holy and righteous man than the Apostle Paul? And the Apostle Paul talks about the mysteries of God, and he says the greatest mystery to ponder is Christ in you. <laughs> and that's what the Book of Mormon is about. And I'm like, you know, oh, we want to get into all these complicated things of doctrine. But that is the mystery that we need to ponder. Christ in you, because if Christ is in you, then we can do all things through Christ, Jesus, that we would not be in the situation we're in. I, I wonder if there's, there's a leftover pride 
uh, of being the one true church and feeling relevant because your identity, it's not enough to have your identity and, and just being a child loved by God, but you have to have a special mission or this chosenitis type of feeling that we have a mission. We're a little better than the other churches. We're a special chosen group. And when, when that, when you have to back off of that a little bit and look at it from a different perspective, there's probably this feeling of irrelevancy. Well, what is our mission now then, if not that? Um, so I, that's, that's one of my, my thoughts. Um, I'm sure there's different reasons for people, but it's definitely comes up a lot, but go ahead, Shane. Oh, I was just going to say, I think one of Satan's, but uh, his, one of his best tricks is distraction. If he can, you know, I remember you think back, you know, from 84 and forward, you think of the kind of the topics of the moment. A lot of time was spent proving the Book of Mormon true, um, you know, looking up Hebrewisms and Chiasms and all the different things that prove it's true. But yet, were we really learning what it says? Were we actually living what it says? I know I wasn't. You know, I, I had many a discussion with people about that is the true book, that it's truth you know, and, and defended it, you know, voraciously, but yet it, I don't think I had those principles in, in my life, like God intended. Um, other things we've fought on too, you know, over the, over the years, uh, the word of wisdom, that was kind of a big topic for a while, you know, and you, if he can get us to focus on all these side topics rather than just repenting and coming unto him and embracing the pure, simple gospel and, and, you know, and getting it formed in our lives, then he wins. And even though we sound like we're talking about the gospel, you know, we're talking word of wisdom, we're talking Book of Mormon proofs, we're talking, you know, where the Book of Mormon took place. All these type of things are, they sound like they're good topics. They're all related to the gospel, but yet there's still distractions being used to keep us from what we need to be doing. Amen. That's, uh, uh, we'll need to wrap up here a little bit. I, I want to read a, a, just a, email I got yesterday, or, a, or a, I'm sorry, a comment on a video. But before we do that, um, I wanted to, uh, I just lost my train of thought. Wow. I'll tell you what, let's read this letter and then maybe it'll come back to me. So uh, a young, this is a young member. I know this person, they're young. Oh, I know what I was going to say. Doug, you have a Hope of Zion Facebook page. Mm -hmm. If people are interested in joining and being part of chats, uh, once again, teacher in Zion, uh, and that's because you were called and ordained to teach. Is, is that why you call it that, teacher in Zion? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, testimony we can share another time. Uh, teacher in Zion, check out the YouTube and listen to some of his. They're very, very well, very concise, no words wasted. Check out some of his videos and teaching. I, I have been greatly edified this week. I went through 14 of them, and they were wonderful. Yeah, and we'll have links, links in the yeah. description. Um, this is uh, someone that listened to our podcast that went out yesterday. And he, he says this, I love listening to fellow lovers of the Book of Mormon and hearing how much it means to them. Now, this, this is a young, young person, much younger than me. But, <laughs> That's not that hard. <laughs> <laughs> but then it is not the book that they love, but the way it brings them to Jesus. It is amazing how hard... In my opinion, the people of the Restoration branches seem to be to the words in that special book. So much truth, so much wisdom, so much help to us in the day, and people will not look beyond their traditions. I know it is hard to come away from what you have been taught as a child, 
that many don't even want to see if their traditions are true. And he said, I can't wait to check out the videos that, that Shane's working on getting up there. I always say he's young for this. This is a perspective of someone that was not even alive probably in 1984. I think he's in his late 20s, uh, early 30s. So to hear that perspective, that it's not just Corey and I, you know, up here, you know, angry old, been the restoration law, haven't accomplished anything, let's bash the church. It's like, this is real. The young people see it that, that people don't want to embrace the Book of Mormon. And look, you can't embrace what it teaches and stick with a lot of the things that we believe right now. And that's the rub. And so there's a decision to be made. Do I want to? be comfortable in what I've always known to be the church and traditions, or do I want to step out and go in a new direction with faith and feel, you know, a little shaky ground, it might seem, or a little scared at first. Like, what does this look like? This is not what I'm used to. And that's, I think that's, that's the rub. That's the choice. And so people are choosing to stick with what's known and what's comfortable. They don't like change. Um, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Doug. Um, uh, let me, if I could add uh, onto what you're saying there, Mike. Um, one thing about the Book of Mormon, it does make, it can make us uncomfortable because if all we got to do is be a part of the right church, the one and only true church, you know, attend the right place, have the right priesthood, uh, who, who believes they have authority going all the way back to Joseph Smith, that that's what's key you know, um, and that we have these, uh, all these different doctrines, doctrine and covenants, et cetera, and revelations and so forth. Um, then, then there's not a whole lot being asked for us. You know, maybe we pay our tithe. Um, we show up to Sunday in time so we can sit in the audience and, and have someone speak to us. Um, you know, it really isn't asking a major sacrifice on our part, to be honest. If you, realize that maybe this isn't what God is asking of us. This is not, this wasn't the main point is that we just have this one true denomination and the only true priesthood. And, and then we can feel good in, in that conceit, but rather that we do what the book of Mormon is calling us to do. And that is to lay everything down, to die to self, to be crucified with Christ, to come unto him with full purpose of heart and to be so changed and transformed that uh, as paul said is no longer i who lives but christ in me who liveth and you know when you contemplate death that's a fearful thing for people you know we have our ways we have our things that we like to do how we like to do and we love to have a little bit of god but sometimes i think we're a little bit afraid what if god took over what would he require? What would that mean? <laughs> what would I have to give up? You know, and the Book of Mormon, there is, it's, it's black and white. It is black and white. It's black and white is, this is what he's calling us to do, is to lay everything down and to be a changed creature in him and be a new, you know, if we would really follow what this book is calling us to do and let the Holy Spirit guide us in that, uh, this world would be changed and transformed. Wow, that we may be afraid of what God will do if we let him take the reins. Isn't that a truth that speaks to my that my heart was just pricked? I don't know about you, Shay. 
Yeah, well, that's straight out of the Bible, too. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. So, Man. Good things to ponder. Um, I've enjoyed having you on here, Doug. The conversation has been great. I love your brothers, your knowledge of the scriptures and integrating those where, where they apply. Um, I, I think with the Joseph Smith papers, that, that document I shared earlier is right out of the, um, right out of the Joseph Smith papers. You can read or you can watch the, uh, you know, you can look at the handwriting of the minutes of the notes. And so when, when you see things, you get a lot better, picture of what was going on in the history of the church than just what we read in our very sterilized history that we've gotten used to. I mean, here's the guys, you, you see the letter, you see the, the names that were here in the conference, Joseph Jr., Oliver Cowdery, David Whitmer, Sidney Rigdon, uh, John Whitmer, William McClellan, all of those names, you know, big names in the church. And they vote to, to give the doctrine and the, the revelations their proper place, then they're the be all end all to the world. Oh my gosh, what happened to the Book of Mormon? No wonder the church soon after that was said that you're under condemnation for yeah. treating lightly the Book of Mormon. So, our question, I think, to myself and to our listeners, uh, how afraid are you to let God take the reins and what will He do uh, if we step back and reread? the Book of Mormon through fresh eyes and see what he'll reveal to you. That's, it's a blessing. I mean, when I'm there, I'm in a, I'm in almost like a different zone when I'm zoned into reading those words. They are, there's a spirit about them that just is something else. And it's been a real blessing to get to know you brothers. Uh, it is, is it always good when the Lord shows us we're not alone, you know, uh, and to gain more brothers and sisters and that are being led by the Holy Spirit and, and being not afraid to ask the hard questions because God is all about truth. And we, if we don't ask these hard questions, then he's not going to give us the answers unless <laughs> we're willing. Uh, if we don't want to hear him, he's not going to give it to us. We'll continue in our darkness. And it has been a privilege. I, I thank you for what you do. Uh, this has been a blessing to my wife and I, your podcast. So thank you. Yeah, the people listening, make sure you like and you do subscribe. It does help in the YouTube world to, to for other people to find it. But also when new when new videos come out, then you'll be notified um, if you hit that. I wanted to say, uh, I'm sure we'll do this again, but I want our listeners to know, Shane and I have only met Doug one time for about an hour uh, on our way down to Kabul, Missouri last weekend when Shane was in town. This is the second time the three of us have sat down together and and it feels familiar to me it feels like we maybe have been lifelong friends and that's because i've listened to your podcast i know what you believe about god i know the truth you're teaching and to me that just binds us together so this was a very comfortable experience for me for people that really from the world standards barely know each other but sure doesn't seem that way amen can i share one other thing i know we're getting no it's too long shane you said Go ahead. Well, so before these podcasts, I would usually, you know, Michael usually give me kind of an idea of maybe what we're going to talk about, but sometimes they're really off the cuff and there's times where I'll think, oh, I wish I could look. I know there's scripture, but I can't remember where it is. You have to look it up and, you know, we're in the middle of it, so you can't do it. So a lot of times I'll kind of think, well, let's see, what are some scriptures that maybe I'll use, you know, maybe it would be handy. So I 
I copy and paste them onto a document. And if I use them, I use them. Well, today I had three different scriptures and the first two we already used. And this third one uh, is regarding not fearing the truth. And I, I, you know, I feel like the Lord has his hand in this. So I feel like I have to read this since that's what we've just done talking about. Yeah. Second uh, Nephi 6, 78 to 82 says, I know that the words of truth are hard against all uncleanliness, but the righteous fear it not, for they love the truth and are not shaken. O then, my beloved brethren, come unto the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. Remember that his paths are righteousness. Behold, the way for man is narrow, but it lieth in a straight course before him. And the keeper of the gate is the Holy One of Israel, and he employeth no servant there. And there is none other way, save it be by the gate, for he cannot be deceived, for the Lord God is his name. Amen. Thanks for sharing that. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that we need a round two of this soon <laughs> with the three of us here. This was really enjoyable for me. It's Sunday afternoon. I feel like my worship's continued from our service this morning. By the way, there was a most excellent sermon preached at Coburn Road Restoration Branch today, which is Sunday, the 28th of August. You can go on YouTube and find that. Okay. Rich Rowland preached a sermon today about pressing forward and not looking behind. And I tell you, with all of the research we've been doing, and it was so crazy, he doesn't even know this. I told him I needed to talk to him. Uh, Dick Bauman in his tape says, he, he took flack from the church when they asked him to teach at a big gathering of saints, you know, in 1985, you know, what are we going to do? The church has done this document. And he said, how far back are you willing to go? You know, the, the, the restoration saints are the rebels, right? They're the ones that stood up and, and drew a line in the sand and said, enough, no more. We're not going to take this women in the priesthood. We'll leave. You know, you're in apostasy. They were the rebels, that rebel spirit. But they drew the line. That was that was the line that went too far on that day, on that revelation. But what about the other things that have departed from the truth that were just, you know, swallowed and indigested? Where's the rebel spirit that says, let's go back. And if you've departed from the truth, then that's no good. Well, we've been looking at those things. And and Rich said something in his sermon today. It was really neat because, you know, you focus on 1984. He says, you go back before that. He's a convert to church. Go back before that. Go back to the 1950s. You know, my wife, things were supposed to be good then. He goes, I went back and read the history and the position papers. He goes, things were not good then. He said, you can go all the way back to 1830 and things were wrong in the church because we are a mess and we are a people and people are messy. And so... He says the, the gospel doesn't tell us to keep trying to get back to that perfect place in history. It says to press forward. And Nephi says press forward. And so it was I, I heard the word of God preached today in church. And unfortunately, that doesn't happen as often as I would like. But today I felt like it was worship and it was an inspired message. So check out the sermon. Um, maybe by the time we put this out there, it'll be up and I can put a link. So. Brothers, thank you. Uh, until next time, God bless. Uh, and I'll keep enjoying your material you put out, Doug. Thank you. God bless. Yeah. Thanks, Doug. Appreciate it.